Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that's brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Last week there wasn't a Leeds fan called Dave, this week there is and in fact we've actually got two Daves for the price of one. We've got Dave Pricey Price and we've got Leeds Dave. Unfortunately for the first time in Plus Dave history we don't have Elio this week but I promise you he will be back and don't you worry we will do our very best to fill the gigantic Elio shapes hole in our podcast, but I'm sure we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll do okay. Let me introduce one of the days. I'll start with you, Leeds, Dave. I'm just going to call you Dave because the other one's pricey. Welcome back from Disneyland. I assume that seeing Leeds in a title race and Rodrigo competing with Erling Haaland for the Golden Boot, you thought, can't get much better than this, but you thought you'd try Disneyland. How was it? Um, it was really tiring. Uh, with a five and a six-year-old, it was really tiring. One of the best things about it, though, I don't know if any of you have, have been, but the Star Wars shop that you're going after the Star Wars ride. I love the has, Star Wars ride. Has build your own lightsabers. Oh, okay. Now I must go. Seven different pieces. So you can put them all together. So you can have Dooku's handle and Luke's saber. Right. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. I got very excited. I didn't buy one for myself, but we did come out there with I am very jealous. Um, but yeah, but I'm yep. thrilled to be back. No Man United fans. Yeah. Tick. No C-bombs today, lads. No, and no Elia. So, you know, it's a good day. I imagine it's not very often where your introduction into a situation dramatically reduces the likelihood of swearing. Because uh, last week was, it got pretty out of hand, I think. It got a little bit bit mad. So it did. It did. And, and it's a coincidence Elio's not here this week. We haven't seen him. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. I think <laughs> if you spend enough time on a Zoom call with a Man United fan, these things are going to happen. There were a few shots fired there, of course. But yeah, well, welcome back. And I'm um, sorry to say, that it's not quite looking as rosy for Leeds as it was before you left and obviously Man United have found out how to play football again which is not great but we've got plenty to get through today and to help us talk about that is the other Dave who I mentioned earlier that is Pricey our resident FPL expert who has been showing everyone why by not quite running away with the league but a strong start welcome back Pricey how are you? Hello I'm well thank you um, although I'm second in the uh, FPL league Ooh. that came as a uh, I was hoping Am I to, top? No Dave you're, you're not sad I think you might be probably oh, at the bottom, oh. actually. If you have to ask, <laughs> no, our, our esteemed friend Nick is currently ahead by a single point, I think. But, um, I mean, I can't exactly criticize because I'm way, way below, but being behind Nick is slightly embarrassing because, with no disrespect to him, I don't think he takes it very seriously. I'm not even sure he picks his team every week. So, um, I can't help feeling there's a little bit of <laughs> he pays someone else to do this. <laughs> a little bit of luck going on yeah, that isn't he, sustainable. He pays over me. 38 weeks. <laughs> yeah. There are 10 million players in fantasy premier league and i am five millionth so yeah top I'm 50 that's, that's, that's that's like you're Leeds almost in the top table. half dave you're almost in the top half that's that's not too bad it's not too bad uh price you were on holiday as well weren't you recently i or was I just made that up? no i was yeah, I, I went to the uh disneyland equivalent of east angular also known as norwich <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time in recorded human history that anyone has compared norwich <laughs> to disneyland um, um no i was i wasn't quite in norwich i was in norfolk though up on the north coast which is very nice 
in Wales. So, nice. uh, yeah, lots of time with the family. Brilliant. And, yeah, it's very good. You're making me very, very jealous. I wasn't on a holiday, but my weekend did involve meeting my girlfriend's parents. And as you guys know, she's from Cork, uh, hometown of Roy Keane, of course. And it was the first time I met her dad. And we got chatting a few Guinnesses in just about football. Uh, the conversation came on to football. None of them are into football. And it, we basically started talking about how footballers are a bunch of pansies and how pathetic they all are and how they fall over crying. And my girlfriend, with no context of what she was saying, she didn't know that she was essentially quoting Roy Keane. She just comes out and she goes, I don't understand these footballers. They just score a goal and they run around celebrating like it's some massive deal. That's your job. <laughs> In her cork accent. I was like, oh, I'm dating a female Roy Keane. Uh, really, really mixed feelings on that one. But, uh, but anyway. I could probably tell you that before, uh, before you said that. The less, the less said about that, the better. I think we should move swiftly on, shall we? And try our best to carry the lack of Elio. I, I kind of feel like this must be what Dortmund felt like the first game of the season when they didn't have Erling Haaland up front. You probably shouldn't kiss Elio's ass too much, shall I? Because he's going to be listening to this. At least I imagine he will be. There's no way he's going to listen no, to this. No, there's no way. He, he's not in it. So he's not he's interested. Like, I'm not in he's it. So interested. why would I bother? On the show today, we are going to be talking about four games, would you believe? Because, of course, since the last episode, we've had the midweek game against West Ham. We had the one all draw at the London Stadium. And we've had the 2 1 victory over Fulham. And then we've got a match tomorrow at the time of recording, which may well have happened by the time you're listening to this, against Marseille, which is our first Champions League game, which is very exciting. A home game there to open up that group. And, of course, a huge game of the weekend away at the Etihad, Man City, guaranteed three points, guaranteed Son hat-trick. Easiest fixture of the season, of course. We're going to talk all about that in a little while. But first, guys, I've got a quick question for you. It's two birthdays this week. Yesterday, in fact. Two very important, relevant birthdays. Can you tell me what they are? Well, one of them, uh, I, I feel like mm-hmm. this one should come second. Um, but the... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's the what's the first one? I, I I should know this. It was recently thirty years of the Premier League, but that was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? No, no, you're way off. You're way yeah. off. I'm going to put you out of your misery. It's Tottenham Hotspur's I know, birthday. I know oh, it's Tottenham. Yeah, of course it is, isn't it? Yeah, hundred and fortieth birthday yesterday. And also, can you tell me what turned one year old yesterday on the same day? The Plus Dave podcast. The Plus Dave podcast. We are officially a year old. We've made it a whole year. How do you feel about that, Dave? Because you've been on pretty much every episode. Doesn't feel like a year, does it? This episode's um, feel like it's gone on for a year already. But. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like a year, I guess. It feels more like a year to me than it does to you because of the success that happened at the end of last season and the start of this. And the end of last season aged me about four or five millennia. <laughs> so yeah, time flows differently depending on who you support. Mm. Um, but I, I was chatting to a chap at work, just telling him about the podcast that we do. And he said, oh, how many episodes are you doing? I said, oh, well, we're doing one tonight and it's number 42. And I was like, 42 yeah. episodes? We're professional podcasters. I, I mean, yeah, in all but paycheck we are, I suppose. Yeah, um, it does seem we're, bizarre. We're, we're amateur podcasters. <laughs> we are very amateur, <laughs> distinctly amateur podcasters. So, but yeah, we've uh, we've made it this far. We keep going. And I guess it's probably a good opportunity to say thanks to everyone who's still listening. I know there are people who have been listening right from the beginning and they tune in every week, which is going to continue to amaze me. So thank you to all of you who are listening. And to reward you for your loyal support and listening, we should probably start talking about Spurs and actual football, shouldn't we? We should get into this because uh, we do have a lot to get through as I said. Um, and we're going to go through an order. We're going to come right back to a game that feels like quite a while ago now, even though it wasn't that long ago. And that was the West Ham game. We were all a little bit nervous about this, weren't we, heading into it? Because West Ham always bring their A game against us. And it was a pretty tight game. I think arguably, Pricey, West Ham might have felt a little bit hard done by. I mean, there are a couple of decisions that we'll talk about. But in terms of the balance of play, West Ham actually had a pretty good go at us, didn't they? 
Yeah, they, they did. They were always going to come out and play, uh, I was about to say, Upton Park then, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the Olympic Stadium. Look, I thought it was, it was a, it sounds a bit cliche, but it was a game of two halves, wasn't it? I think we were the much better team in the first half. Second half, they, they yeah. came out and gave it a real go. And actually, I think we were lucky. Yeah, we were lucky probably to get a point, but on balance, it was a fair result. Like you say, I think it was a game, and, and I'm sure Dave will have a lot of thoughts around this, given the weekend's games as well. But it was effectively a day that was just I guess kind of given by VAR at the end of the day yeah a couple of things to mention about VAR obviously I think the penalty is the obvious one that stands out Dave probably just said he reckons you're gonna have a lot of thoughts on this I'm assuming you've at least watched some highlights of this game I know that your uh, your time is precious so you know there's only so much prep you can do for these podcasts but uh, from what you've seen does it look like it was a pretty even game do you think Spurs could feel hard done by not getting more out of it I mean, obviously I was in France and obviously yeah. the match I was trying to keep up with was... Actually, were these even on the same day? The, the Spurs Ooh. game and the Leeds game? I did you know. did you watch via um, the, the fan zone WhatsApp chat? Is that is that how you experienced this game? Just seeing us <laughs> I think I might have done, to be honest, whilst, whilst queuing for Spurs Mountain, yeah. Um, but looking at the highlights, yeah. West Ham had the better chances. Mm. West Ham looked like the better team. And now obviously you don't see everything and you only see what the producer decides is worthy of putting in a highlight. But I mean... You know, Spurs goal and Spurs disallowed penalty mm. side. You know, Antonio looked like a menace. He was all over the place. Obviously, Suchek's goal was good, well worked, and um, yeah, uh, and yeah, it just it just did appear to be a bit of a uh, well, not a smash and grab to get a point, but certainly an away point yeah. that was hard earned through not necessarily being the better team for yeah. the game. But ultimately, you know, sometimes you have to take a point at West Ham, and you know, West Ham aren't. Mugs. Yeah, so. it's not a terrible result, especially when you consider the record we've had against them in recent years, and obviously the fact that we lost that fixture last year. It's that entire theme again of improving on the equivalent fixtures. I think the equaliser did come a little bit out of nowhere, and, and it actually spawned a bit of a spell of dominance for them. And pretty much, we mm. we seemed like we were about to capitulate for about ten minutes afterwards, and we were quite lucky they didn't go ahead. I thought it probably is a good example of a game that the highlights probably didn't paint the whole picture. And Price, I don't know if you would agree with this because I think if you saw the highlight, I, I haven't actually watched. I watched the game, so I haven't really watched the highlights. And I imagine if you just isolate the chances West Ham had all in very quick succession, there was a 10, 15 minute spell that probably flatters them a little bit where they were pressing Loris. He was under pressure a couple of times. There was a ball that spun across the face of the goal and somebody just missed it coming in. Obviously, Antonio hit the post early on as well. So that was a nice chance there. The goal kind of did come out of nowhere a little bit though, didn't it, Price? Because like Hoiberg was off complaining to the ref. His shoe had come off or something or his laces had come off. And then it was a lapse in concentration as much as anything else yeah totally and I think it had come after a period where Hoiberg was potentially pulling up injured as well like you say he was faffing around um, and actually it was Hoi- yeah. Hoiberg he didn't track the run of Suchek and then kind of let him in which is where the space came from no so. I think it was Basuma who had him but I think Hoiberg was just stuck halfway up the pitch somewhere and then Basuma let Suchek in I think Dyer was the one who was on Antonio he got a little bit tight to him as well it's one of those where you can kind of pinpoint a bit of blame on everyone you don't want to just scapegoat one person but it was, it was a little bit of a success session of errors really I think but yeah they looked a bit dangerous after that didn't they yeah I think it just gave them that confidence Look, they, we all know they've had a torrid start to the season and, and they almost needed that I guess kind of goal against a big club to give them the confidence to push on and look West Ham have got good players you know if you think about this time last year Antonio was I guess kind of leading the goal scoring charts and you know yeah. Bowen then went on to have an amazing run last season and they've look, they've added some good players to their squad this window I, I like Corne I think he's a good bit of business for them and and I think it rattled us to be honest I think we it was the first game Mm. I think where we were in a stadium where the fans really I guess kind of just upped the ante 
on the part of West Ham and I think we didn't really respond to it but look you know in years gone by it's a game we would have lost and we didn't I think we were able to hold on we showed resilience actually we're talking about two games together I think Lloris has had two really good games back to back Um, yeah some spectacular saves which is which has helped us massively and look we we came away with a point and you know I think we were saying a few weeks back that all of the games we've played so far this year if you look at Southampton you look at Chelsea these are games which we didn't win last season but yet we're picking up points we're picking up results and we're heading Mm. in the right direction so you know what a point possibly a bit frustrating given where West Ham are at the moment in the season something we could have won but look at least we're not Mm. dropping points that's the more losing I guess kind of all three points that's the main thing yeah it feels like a better result obviously with the Fulham result having followed it I suppose looking back on it but it's another example isn't it of us just not being Spursy. Okay, you could say we threw away a lead and you could say that's the kind of Spursy thing. But I think what would have happened a few seasons back is that that goal would have given them the ascendancy. They would have flown at us. We'd have panicked. We'd have conceded. We'd have lost at the last minute. That's the sort of thing that used to happen to us all the time. And it's just, I don't want to tempt fate. It's just not happening at the moment. There will be one at some point this season. You know, eventually there will be a last minute winner. We'll be heartbroken, but that's football. And it's not the norm anymore. You know, it's, it's got back to the point where that's just, it's not something that we're dreading necessarily. In terms of the game itself, though, Elio, when we spoke to him, obviously not on here today, but he, I did talk to him about the game. He compared it to the kind of AVB era of Spurs in that we played a lot of nice stuff until the point where it mattered and then just kind of ran out of ideas and we missed that killer instinct at the end, which probably in the highlights doesn't really reflect because you're only going to show what happens when you get in and around the goal. Is that something that worries you or do you think that's a bit of an anomaly in this season? I think we've been playing well up top. I think, look, obviously Son isn't hitting the highs that he did last season and has had a bit of a slow start. Um, He has looked better, though. He's he's getting better. I mean, I I don't know know about you, but I I was surprised Richarlison didn't start that game. And obviously yeah, he started against were. Fulham, but I'm surprised he didn't start against West mm. Ham. And I think he showed he showed his class, showed his quality. Obviously, we'll come on to the Fulham game. But I think we've got enough talent and attacking potential up top to not be worried. And the other thing is Kane has also started the season very well, when usually he's the one that has the mm. slow start. So West Ham were well drilled. They were well organised. You know, they're playing five at the back, I think. Are they? Dave, what, what <laughs> did it look like in the highlights? Quick, bail us <laughs> out here. I don't remember what they're for. I, I think they're a four back, aren't they? I don't know. Uh, I've just seen they're playing five at the back. Elio would know. <laughs> I miss Elio. Yeah, I don't think they've got five defenders. <laughs> so you mentioned Kane there. So speaking of Kane, Dave, Kane was obviously involved in our goal. He gave us the lead. Uh, oh, it's four that. at the back. Is it? I, I thought it was four at the back. No, I, no. I, I didn't want to make you look silly. But but yeah, Dave, tell us about the Spurs goal because it was another one for the own goals tally. Own goals continues to be one of our best attackers. What do you think of the break, though? Nice move. Yeah, it's a good move. And ultimately, when you get to that position and you drill it across the front of the goal, mm. you know, the, there's only really t- three things that are going to happen. And it fizzing all the way through and nobody touching it is probably the least likely one. Yeah. Um, so it's either going to be an own goal or it's going to be it's a, a numbers a game, isn't it? Forwards. It's a numbers game. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, interestingly, and not to pivot to Leeds, but own goals was one of our highest scorers in the first two nice. seasons when we were in the championship. Mm. And the reason for that was because... That's exactly what we did. We were yeah. always playing those in behind balls and drilling it across. It was usually the fullbacks that got there because that's that's possible. Mm. And they drilled them in, and it was and well, it was one of Bamford Roof, um, or in some cases the opposite fullback who'd found his way up there as well because that's possible. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think in one of the seasons we hit double figures for on goals because yeah. that was just 
a really, really effective way to get behind championship defences and get them running towards their own goal and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, I think we were up there that sort of number last year and I don't know if this is true but I imagine Man City probably get their fair share of own goal goals as well because of the way they cut the ball back across the back post quite a lot. Um, Not, well, maybe now they've got Haaland. I mean, well, no, 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 now Haaland pushes the defender out of the way so he's like, no, don't you dare put this in the net this is mine but more on him later for sure um so uh, so that's the goals the, the penalty incidents we're talking about or the, the the non-penalty incident i should say it's one of these really frustrating loophole nitpicky var things that just are really frustrating you you kind of you get annoyed about it and then you think okay i guess by the letter of the law i think the decision was and the real the reason that this wasn't given as a handball was that it came off the defender's face or his head a fraction mm. of a second before it touched his hand um what do you think of that is that just one of those things where you just got to say the rules the rules and you can't complain or do you think Spurs have a reason to be a bit pissed off about that one so just to clarify the rule is that when it's a deflection of your own body mm. onto a raised arm then it's not a penalty even though it was clearly heading straight for his hand anyway well that's <laughs> debatable yeah um you know what the handball rule was insane two seasons ago yeah if we all do we all remember that mm. where literally it Strict didn't matter liability. how it hit the hand yeah. It was a it was a yeah. penalty. That's pretty much why the rules were changed. We had it? one on the first day of the season as well against Liverpool. Yeah, I suppose it's better than that. We can't complain too much. It's better than that. It's moving in the right direction. <laughs> I think it's pretty harsh if you know somebody headers a ball at you know fifty miles an mm. hour at your face from one foot and it deflects yeah. into your hand. And yeah, the hand is up, and that's classified yeah. as an unnatural position but you know yeah, yeah. I, 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 you'd be gutted yeah. pretty, pretty unlucky we'd, if that was given we'd, against we'd, you if was here and that was given <laughs> against Spurs then there'd be there'd be there <laughs> would indeed there would indeed it's one of those things where I don't think we will ever get to a point where there is a completely fair satisfactory rule and way of applying it and that applies to VAR as well I think VAR they can tweak it they can improve it they can speed it up but I think it's, it's always going to be controversial isn't it and I suppose that's just one of those things we've got to be used to in football um, just to nitpick and this is going to be very alio of me actually uh, this is exactly the kind of thing he'll come up with if they get away with the penalty for this loophole very very granular rule I would suggest that VAR arguably should have ruled out their equaliser because there was a foul throw in the build up did anyone else notice that? No, no of course of course <laughs> you did I tell you hundreds of people on Twitter on noticed it and they shared the video <laughs> angrily and I'm telling you that you know VAR have got some explaining to do but no I'm definitely nitpicking a little bit here I'm, I'm not really sure what a foul throw is to be honest with you I, I think VAR have got bigger problems to be worrying about after the last weekend <laughs> than a foul right. throw they certainly do and West Ham were one of the uh, yeah, yeah that's the thing isn't it I mean you've got, you've got Rice and Antonio moaning about VAR and they've obviously got a very short memories but yeah the Chelsea one was another level wasn't it Dags I know your tongue is in your cheek when you're talking about that throwing but at the same time I think you make actually quite a valid point in the sense that at what point do you roll it back when it's a goal right okay mm. was there a foul in the last five minutes because I mean I'm obviously biased and you're obviously biased the other way but the Arsenal goal that was disallowed because of the foul on Ericsson mm. that was 20 seconds before yeah. they scored a goal yeah. Now, I'm not sure that's right. And there was no foul given and it wasn't in the box. Mm. Now, from the other VAR conversations that I've been having about the, the game at Brentford on the weekend, I was under the understanding that VAR wasn't involved when it was about infringements outside the box. I thought it was penalties yeah. only. But apparently it is when it's a foul that's leading up to a goal. 
It's, yeah. There's so many grey, wibbly, wobbly lines. In, in the same phase of play, I, mm. I believe it is the rule. And then, and then the question is, how yeah. long it does? How long is a phase how long of is play? a piece of string? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, to be honest, we could literally do an entire podcast episode just about VAR, and it would be very boring, and it would be treading over a lot of old ground, and it's probably quite a big topic to be trying to shoehorn into one small segment of this. So, uh, so we should probably move on from that. But one sad piece of news to come out of that one-all draw was that the Davidson Sanchez streak <laughs> is over. He made it to about 10 hours of continuous play without conceding a goal. And then, of course, we had to we had to go behind. He wasn't directly involved in that, though, of course, in, in fairness to him. But I do think, despite him looking slightly better, and Price, I want to get your thoughts on Sanchez and what he does to our team. I think he was playing some slightly more progressive passes than I've seen before. I actually think he wasn't doing badly. I mean, this is a player who you know what you're going to get. You know, you know what he's good at. You know what he's not good at. Perhaps he's not ideal for our system. But there was a noticeable difference in the way we played on the ball compared to when Romero was in the team, wasn't there? And West Ham knew this and they definitely shuffled the ball towards our right-hand side and closed us in there, didn't they? 100%. They, they were working the press towards Sanchez. I mean, yeah. when I first heard the Davidson stat about not conceding, I <laughs> thought it was a That's joke. A stat, I was like, <laughs> I did not believe it. The man is terrible. Yeah. Um, it's, a... it's, it's correlation without causation. Oh, it's just one of those just things one of those that things. happens. It's like when Bale, it's like when we weren't winning any games with Bale on the team and it had nothing what, to do, do with you know what it is? It just... it's nine hours of substitute appearances for the last five minutes of a game where we don't concede a goal <laughs> and uh, but it's not though it's not <laughs> yeah. he's Javier yeah. Zanetti of the Spurs team is he um, no, <laughs> the thing no. is he's a good defender he just has more defending to do because we don't keep the ball well when he's in the team yeah he, you know what he's improving and look I think Conte is improving yeah. every player in the squad so I don't think that is unique to Sanchez um I'm, mm. so I'm I'm really glad that Leng lays in now. I think that's. Oh yeah, we'll talk about him in the Fulham obviously game. Obviously, we're coming to the Fulham game. Um, Romero back. I just look. He's a good placeholder. Look, he'll do well in cup games, mm. and he can come into some of those games where ultimately we need to cycle or rotate defenders. Do I want to see him starting week in week yeah. out? Not at all. We do a lot worse. I mean, in terms of defending the fundamentals, he's fine. In fact, he's very good. I would say he's he's perfectly capable. He would get into a lot of teams. It's that whole thing about, isn't it? About you know, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will grow up thinking it's stupid. It's that thing. He's a fish trying to climb a tree. You know, he's he's that's not what he's meant to do. I'm trying my best to take Elio's place right now. If it's not obvious, I was very yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. He's not a, a progressive ball playing, ball carrying defender. He's not. No, but, he's just an old fashioned. I think the problem is slugger. he tries to be. He tries to be a progressive ball carrying defender and that's but where he goes. he actually is improving in that regard though. <laughs> I actually I noticed against West Ham I thought he was playing at least he was trying to play a forward and he's yeah. not so bad at it that it's a liability it's just that when he is pressed and there's two people closing in on him as was the case throughout that game because if you I don't know if you noticed but every time Dyer had the ball sitting at the back of that three they just cut off the pass to Davies Davies wasn't allowed to get a touch they were like no no pass to Sanchez we don't want Davies in the ball pass to Sanchez which you know is a bit unfair on him and obviously he's then got Emerson on the outside of him which just doubles up the same problem very good defensively and he, he can do a job but he's just not that level it's not the same as having Perisic or even Sessegnon on the other side in terms of how we want to play is it but things did change in the next game anyway, so I think that's probably a good time to switch over to talk about the Fulham game, unless there's anything you wanted to add for the West Ham game. The only thing I was going to challenge was I, I, I disagreed with the penalty decision. I think it should have been a penalty, regardless of these nitpicky little okay. rules. Um, 
Yeah. His hands in an unnatural position. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Look, again, you, you said it. We could get into conversations about VAR kind of, you know, yeah. for a long time. And obviously, that's not what people tune in to listen to. Um, but um, no, I, I thought it should have been a penalty. They tune in to listen to horrible language and thunder bastards and cockwombles and talks about Morricone and <laughs> silly middle names. I think I have no idea why people oh, tune oh, in. If you're point, listening, tell us why you tune in and why you're still listening. If, if anyone is indeed on, listening. On that yeah. point, I feel now is the right time to call out Elliot on Ken Weenie Jones. <laughs> I was hoping that would come up because that's not even the first time he said that, is it? I think you called him out on that. Uh, maybe the second once. time he said Ken Weenie Ken Jones. Ken Weenie Jones. Why you would ever want to say Ken Win Jones, never mind Ken Weenie Jones, is uh, is beyond me. But oh my god, it's that almost guy. like an affectionate name. He needs, he needs, that, he needs the uh, the phonetic mm. tool on his phone. It's it's kind of like he's one of his friends. You know, it's like oh, good old Ken Weenie. You know, it's like how you call we call Sonny and Richie, and it's like he's just. <laughs> being familiar what would he do if ken weenie was on the tweenies oh god this is right, we're definitely moving on to the Fulham game this, this is getting out of hand now so can, look, can, we, can we just can we use this opportunity though just to highlight mm. our colleague and friend joe who did amazingly go out of his way on his family holiday to morricum just to take a picture <laughs> uh oh, excellent excellent you might have seen that on our twitter oh, actually kudos, yeah kudos yeah. joe I'm, I'm very aware there are several people listening who probably have no idea what we're talking about. We were referring to a time where Elio had managed to go 35 odd years of his life without realising that Morecambe is not pronounced Morricombe. But anyway, we're moving we've, on. Uh, we've bashed him more than enough of that. And I, and I insist we don't turn this into an Elio bashing podcast because it's not fair. We, the guy has one day off. We've got to, you know, let, let's let's move along. Let's talk about the Fulham game. So the first thing to notice about the Fulham game is the lineup was quite an exciting one. There were a lot of changes. It's the first time really that we've seen our new exciting squad depth used utilized to any kind of a degree Richarlison got his start and uh, all the talk before the game was you know is he going to replace Son and he en- ended up actually taking Kulusevski's spot in the starting lineup which was interesting to see quite nice for Son as well because I think you never want to see someone come out of the team after a, a poor run because you-, you worry it's going to have an effect on their confidence so uh, I was quite happy to see that and uh, obviously I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Kulusevski also a slightly more enforced one was uh, Bissouma coming in to start in the midfield and Longley as you mentioned earlier Longley started on the left and then Sessegnon took the play of Perisic we're probably going to see a little bit of back and forth between those two so overall quite a new look lineup how did you find they did I thought it was a great game. I thought it was incredibly unlucky not to have been a much kind of bigger score in our favour, to be honest, had it not been for mm. Leno against Arsenal alumni again later. Um, but had it not been for Leno in their yeah. defence, I thought we dominated. Well, I thought what was really interesting, actually, was the possession stat after the game was actually fairly even. But I mean, just everything we did with the ball had impetus, it had energy, it had direction um, we played forward mm. we played some brilliant counter-attacking football you spoke yeah. about Son there he was un- I mean obviously he had a goal ruled out he hit the bar I thought he had a really good really game really good game and really it was unlucky game. not to score agreed um, yeah. I thought Richarlison was excellent um, again unlucky not to have mm. a goal at the end obviously ruled off um, <laughs> so yeah. can we just talk more VAR nonsense can we talk about the yellow card <laughs> yeah let's talk about the yellow card let's jump straight to that so Richarlison scored what he thought was his first goal for Spurs <laughs> And, and celebrated emphatically by taking off his shirt and running off to the crowd as you do. And uh, the goal was then chalked off from VAR and he had to put his tail between his legs and trudge back over to the halfway line and uh, still had the yellow card. So he did it all for nothing. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's got uh, to be one of the worst. 
worst yellow cards. I mean, I'm inclined to think that the damage is done at that point. You know, if, if the ball is out of play and you slap someone, you know, you're still going to get booked for it or sent off for it. So it shouldn't really change that in my mind. I don't know if you think anything differently. I want someone to test this theory because I, I feel like the players should get together and say, right, that is the most ridiculous reason to get booked in the world. Oh, yeah. So let's just everybody get booked for it and see what happens. Because I want I want everybody mm. just before, you know, instead of instead of taking the knee or standing there like idiots take watching, off listening to the Premier League anthem, just take your shirt off and go, <laughs> come on! All of us. And see if they all get booked. See if they all get booked. <laughs> it's a weird Ridiculous. one, isn't it? I've never quite understood and fact, it. And the fact that he was booked after a goal that had been chalked off, therefore yeah. it was a dead ball. It just adds insult I, to injury, uh, doesn't it? It's, I, it? I've never understood it. I, I assume... I think the official reason is inciting the crowd, which is nonsense. It's silly, isn't it? That's not inciting the crowd. But I'm assuming it's something to do with the sponsorship. And when people score, Mm. people want to see their shirts uh, close up. cynical, but... Which is horrifically cynical and commercial. I mean, I I was going to say, I imagine that there's a few drastically out of shape... FA professionals with dad bods who were offended by Cristiano Ronaldo's abs and uh, were just jealous and decided that this just won't go down anymore. Did something along those lines? So here's, here's a question for you: In the women's Euros final, did Chloe Kelly get mm. booked for her celebration? Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did got she? yellow card. Yeah. Okay. That's a quality for yeah. you. And international and international shirts don't have sponsors, so that bangers my theory. I wonder if she took everything off, if she'd still get booked. Oh, that's a red. <laughs> Is that deemed obscene? Is that like a player dropping his shorts did, to celebrate? Did you see it the weekend All right, in the FA? We're, we're, we're regressing into last week's podcast, we are. guys. So <laughs> we're lowering the move it on a bit. That'd it be might, yeah, this is already dangerous say, territory, It might be isn't worth it? just highlighting the guy in the FA Cup this weekend that got sent off for urinating in a hedge. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, that is absolutely worth highlighting. Is there anything to elaborate on that? Or was that the whole story? Because that, that's amazing. In, inciting the crowd. <laughs> it was like, it, like literally not, there was no crowd. And he's apparently in like this. No, imagine if there's like, a hedge. It's unlikely to be a huge crowd. Seventy eighth minute, went out, went out for a goal kick, and rather than taking the goal kick, he went for a, went for a wee in the hedge, and then got sent off straight red. Sounds like something Diego Simeone would actually do. I, I was in about the to say, it wouldn't shock me if Richarlison scores a winner against Man City if he then goes and urinates into the crowd. That wouldn't surprise me that much. In all honesty. <laughs> anyway, um, so speaking of Richarlison, so Richarlison actually had a really good. Game. Let's talk about him because it's his first full performance, I suppose, his first start. I think he picked up where he left off after a series of really good sub performances and he was unlucky not to have that goal allowed and I think he was one of the best players what did you make of his performance Dave from what you've seen Rich Allison um, from what I've seen was very good he was obviously very highly rated he was he wasn't man of the match but I think he was probably close second or third he he certainly seemed to be in and around everything that was happening well he assisted Hoiberg's goal didn't Mm. he so that's uh, that's obviously one and he had his goal uh, chalked off but this is what we said at the start when when we when when you guys signed him. I know said when we signed him. Then when you guys signed him, um, it's turning into one of us. It's happening. It's an op- it's forty-two a, it's episodes, and we're on we. <laughs> um, he he's an option, yeah, and he's the option when it's not necessarily working, or when you need to give somebody a rest, and that gives Kulusevski or Son or even Kane the impetus to come back stronger. So it's no, he's doing what Conte would have wanted him to do, which is 
bide his time, mm. but then take his chances when it when it when, I, I when think, he gets there. I think he's more than an option. He's because he's really mm. hungry. I think that, that feels harsh. Yeah, I mean, why? I know it's not meant to be, Dave, but it feels like he deserves a better classification. He's on a par. Than an he's, on, he's on a par with Kulisevsky, mm. and he's probably not as big a player for you as. But, but he, I would but say, he and this be. is a big call. Controversially, if we're going kind of quality per minute, I would say he's been as mm. good as, if not better, than Kulisevsky. And I love oh, Kulisevsky, and I think Kulisevsky no, has been great, particularly in the first game. But I think in well, terms Kulisevsky, of contribution the new and the time that he's been on, oh yeah, well, hashtag we're, 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 we're going to leave. Yeah, we're going to leave Elio's comments on that. Yeah, um, but no, I think he's been excellent, and I think you know if it wasn't for the fact that we have the front three that we do, he would be walking into the team. But I guess that's what he signed up for, and maybe that competition will make him a better player. So we've got a few players we want to talk about, but before we get into talk about individual performances, let's just go through the goals, shall we? Because there's three goals in that game. So Hoiberg, we just mentioned, who had a great game, mm. I thought was one of the best players, um, deserved goal, second goal of the season. It's worth mentioning actually that Hoiberg, uh, only Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandez actually made more accurate through ball this season than Hoiberg which is it's quite an impressive stat because it's not something you necessarily think about for him do you? you think of him as just this destroyer this ball winner but he's been making some really nice three balls and I remember one that was a really lovely sort of dinked over the top ball to Son I think mm-hmm. took a bit of a heavy touch but well deserved goal really nice move wasn't it Pricey the actual the, the one touch yeah. sort of passing play the one twos the really good goal what I like about Hoiberg at the moment is he's playing a lot more like he does for Denmark because actually if you watch him play for Denmark yeah, he plays a, a lot point. further well, no, he basically makes these runs kind of through the middle uh, thinking about I guess kind of the space that players like Ericsson Damsgaard leave and then he Hoiberg's always the one that's kind of like mm. passing running and he's, yeah. he's kind of playing a bit more forward and maybe it's because we have now invested in Bissouma who is brilliant at tracking back brilliant at making tackles yeah. it almost gives him that kind of creative freedom when he was playing alongside Harry Winks obviously you're not going to go anywhere outside of your immediate area because you know that Winks is an absolute liability. Put some decent players next to him and it gives him that creative... Poor Harry Winks. <laughs> I feel like we have a dig at Winks every episode. He's not even here anymore. Um, um, I think, is it with Denmark? Is it Thomas Delaney who plays that kind of classic holding, sitting midfield yeah. role, which gives Hoiberg a lot more freedom to go forward? But yeah, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, absolutely. What I like about Hoiberg, and I, this was really hammered home by um, an interview I saw with him. I think it was on Sky Sports, but he talks really authoritatively. Like, uh, he's From everything I understand, I've, I've seen Alistair Gold talking about him and I understand he's a real leader in the dressing room and he's a big character and everyone really respects him. He's almost like another Katzen figure, which I think Spurs traditionally have lacked. And I saw him talking about Richarlison and about Loris. And in particular, he was talking about Richarlison. It was almost like a... I don't want to say like a fatherly tone. It was like a big brother. It was like it was like he was talking about his little brother. He was like, oh, he's he's a really good lad. He's he's got to work hard. He's got to push on. It was, it was almost like the manager was being interviewed, you know, in the tone he had. And I really like that about, especially a midfield general type like him. Um, Longley. Longley was Twitter was going wild about Longley after that game. It's only one game, and he's yet to really be tested defensively, which is where I think some of the concerns were. But what did we think of his passing, his progression, his play on the ball? Well, we said it in the last pre-season game before the season kicked off when he debuted for us. It's just epic. He just is. He's basically like Romero, but slightly yeah. less aggressive and more on kind of like attacking steroids. Like I love how Romero kind of gets forward and gets in the box, yeah. but Lengley just takes it to another level. I mean, his ability on the ball, we're talking about Sanchez kind of playing out from the back and passing out and Lengley just takes that to another level. I thought, yeah, he's again had an excellent first game. I'm excited. I think what, what mm-hmm. I like about our back three, interchangeable back three now is we have options and you've got people, you know, we know that Davies has over the last 12 months transformed into 
completely different player in terms of that left-sided kind of cent- yeah. central role. And it's great. He's got now got some competition, but they're very different players. And I think that gives us a different setup against different teams and different oppositions. But I'm very excited about Langley. Mm. If you're Davies, you're going to be a bit worried now, aren't you? Because he's been great mm. and he offers a lot, but I feel like he is limited. And yeah, I hate saying that I because I love what he's done for us over the last no, season. You, I, I don't think Langley's going to... You wouldn't start him against City. I don't think you'd start him against Haaland up top. You don't think no, so? No, because I just think mm. you'd, you'd want... I think we've got enough creativity in terms of being able to hit them on the counter and it's going to come down to pace. I think you'd want Davies in there as that warrior at the back. Look, we know against City, we're not going to have much of the ball. Mm. You're going to want solid central defenders rather than, I guess, kind of people who are probably going to go AWOL because actually they're more interested in getting up the park. Yeah. Would be, I don't know, would be my thought on it. Dave, in the interest of fairness, I think if we're going to criticise Elio for his Morricombs and his Kenweeny Jones, I think we need to call out Lengley. Yeah. I think it's pronounced Longley. Longley. Yeah. It's, it's always difficult, isn't it? Lenglet. You don't I mean, want to go too I mean, far. It's, my, it's, minor. it's, it's, it's that minor. classic thing, isn't it? You, you don't want to pronounce something. You don't want to try too hard with the pronunciation because then you just sound like a dick, don't you? But you don't want to, you don't want to sound like some common, Yibis. ignorant <laughs> idiot. Yeah, you don't want to say Lenglet. But anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm nitpicking again <laughs> now, aren't I? Really are. So, really are. Harry Kane got another goal. That's five for the season in six games, which is an incredible record if it wasn't being put to shame by a, a certain giant, terrifying Norwegian man uh, who we'll get on to talk about very shortly. Um, Harry Kane continues to be excellent. I think he was, along with Hoiberg, potentially the player of the match in that game. Played some lovely stuff, got his goal, well-deserved. What do you think of the goal, Dave? Have you noticed I'm asking you about the things that I know will have been in the highlights just to make sure you can actually comment on them? Hope you appreciate that. Um, it was a recycle, wasn't it? it was, um, yeah, it was pulled across. And it eventually, got, eventually got across after two or yeah. three efforts and then pulled up. I was convinced he was offside goal. personally until I remembered the rules of football um, because he was he was clear well, of the last defenders. This is the problem. No, not not to jump on VAR again, yeah. but it feels like I tweeted at the weekend for the Man United game. It feels like VAR has... We've gone so crazy talking about VAR that we've actually forgotten some of the basic rules of football (laughs) like at one point Man United had a player down injured and so Man United kicked the ball out Mm. and they restarted with a goal kick it didn't make any mm. sense. I don't. I was like, hang on, what's just well, happening? Won't what, have I just blacked on out like for that, five minutes? It? And have I just blacked out for something? And not? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Nobody mentioned it. Nobody thought that. Hang on, what's just happened? Why are we starting with a goal kick? Are we too reliant just, on VAR? VAR is no, we're not too reliant on it. We're just too fixated on mm. it. It's like, well, obviously the problems are going to be VAR, so we might as well just make up this game while we go along until something interesting happens. <laughs> it, just, it just blew my mind. But anyway, I've got on a tangent because, yeah. quite frankly, I can't remember Kane's goal, but I'm assuming it was just... I mean, it, it is probably fair to describe it as a tap-in, but still. What, why, uh, it was, five goals it, in six games. Is, Mitrovic's goal, however, I remember. Just, just, well. just on Kane, before we get on to the terrifying serve was, that is Mitrovic... Yeah, yeah, very similar to another one he's he scored. And the one the Cessignon crossed. The yeah, other one that exactly. Was and when, when when I was listening to punditry on... No, sorry. No, it wasn't Cessignon, was it? Because Cessignon, oh, no, Cessignon put the ball in and came back out to Richarlison. Richarlison outside, outside the boot. Yeah. It was a bit like that one, yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And when some of the pundits were talking about Haaland in one of the games a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about the day with it's called the danger zone at the far post and actually how Haaland mm. is very good at just being on... He's actually... He doesn't really take too yeah. many touches outside side of the box he's just in the right space at the right time and that's why he's he's yeah. getting all these opportunities and one of the things I really like about Kane yeah. this year that he wasn't doing 
last year. Is last year we were talking about Kane, the playmaker. The box, yeah. You know, Kane was dropping deep, mm. spraying balls out, and we were going, "Oh my God, Kane is amazing! He's the best passer of the ball." But he wasn't necessarily getting yeah. in the box. And actually now, where everyone else on the pitch has stopped, and it's happened twice now, which I think is really interesting. If you know, if you look at the defenders, they've all stopped because they think like play has paused, transitioned, ball's going out, whatever. Kane's alive, ball's come in, back post, unmarked, scored. Yeah. And so full credit to him because that's what he's, he's... It's his job. It's what he's paid to yeah. do. <laughs> it's his job. Now, this is the thing that everyone says about Erling Haaland. I think people who perhaps view football a bit too simplistically, casual fans, they'll look at his goals and I think... Hey, just scoring tappings. Anyone will score that many goals if he plays for Man City. I'd score four or five goals if I play for Man City. You've heard it all before. But I don't think people realise how much of a skill it is to be in the right place at the right time, to ghost past the defender, to find space to veer off, to time your runs, to anticipate where the ball's going to be. And that's what Kane's been doing really well, like you say. And we've not seen perhaps enough of it over the last year. Speaking of uh, informed strikers, Mitrovic got another one. Uh, Dave, good goal or bad defending or a bit of both? Great goal. Great goal. Yeah. You don't think it's preventable? Yeah. I mean, I mean um, maybe. I mean, ultimately, the only way that you can really prevent that is if you charge him. And if you're charging him, then you risk him mm. coming back inside and dragging his legs off, getting a yellow card and, and a very dangerous free yeah. kick. So maybe... I mean, what's better? I feel like Dyer is still haunted by that Newcastle incident we mentioned earlier because he he just kind of stood back with his hands behind his back, terrified about giving away penalty yeah. from handball. Um, I think Romero was a bit soft. Yeah, well, that's it's a challenge. I think Romero Romero put in a pretty weak challenge on Mitrovic. I know he's a bit of a bull. You know, you want he's, he's a pretty tough guy to get into a ground duel with, but he didn't really put in enough attack for my liking. I would blame Romero primarily and then a little bit dire in that one pricey what did you think i think you've got to look at it like fulham hadn't really created anything up until then and i think if you're giving yeah it's, 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 why it's the 83rd minute and you know you're kind of yeah he was mm. possibly a bit soft but actually you know mitrovic has got a lot to do from that position to then kind of bend it into the top corner okay you gave him the time to do it but on the fact that they hadn't really put anything together before that i, I don't really blame Rome- I, they'll be frustrated i don't know conte will be frustrated about it because ultimately the top mm. top teams won't switch off we've seen time and time again when teams have lost games because in the last couple of minutes they've just completely um, mm. switched off and and capitulated you know it happened time and time again in the champions league last year but no no it was a quality goal and and mitrovic is um we, Finish. We, not taking that we away questioned him. whether he could do what he did last year, this year in the Premier League, because the last time they were up, he we didn't, did. uh, and he's doing it. So uh, I'm glad we've got him out of the way, because I think Fulham will be all right this year. I think it's worth adding as well, and I don't want to give a disservice to Romero specifically, but potentially Dyer as well, because, you know, let's not forget what Mitrovic, you know, took a personal bungee jump at the expense of the Liverpool defence in the first half, in, <laughs> in the in the first game. Or Van Dyke, yeah. And Romero was yeah. in the box, and he was dragging his leg, you know, there's only so far you can go in there before mm. Mitrovic is jumping over it. So I think, I think, True. yeah, I think it's a bit harsh on Romero to say it was at fault, and yes, he could have gone in harder, but I think if you'd have gotten in harder, I think Mitrovic isn't just a, a big Serbian lump of meat. I think he's quite a smart footballer and I think he would have got a penalty from it. Yeah, quite possibly. I suppose that is one way of looking at it. It's just annoying though because it, it was so close to being probably the first game of the season where you could say from start to finish it was comfortable until that goal. Every game, even the mm. Southampton game, which ended up being a pretty comfortable walkover victory in the end, we went behind. So you can't really call that a routine comfortable victory. It was the first time where I was thinking, this is what you want. You want your procession easy 2 nils. It would have been really nice to see it. I mean, look, I'm not going to complain. It's three points as a win. We're doing really, really well. I'm not going to complain, but it's just the fact that 
can't we just have one of those, <laughs> please? Just one where it's straightforward and it's easy. I guess the other way to look at it is we rode out the storm because, you know, it was a little bit hairy after that. Uh, I've got a tweet here that sums up quite nicely from Sports Finance on Twitter. It says, only Spurs can score twice, hit the post twice, have two goals disallowed, make the keeper make numerous good saves and give the opposition one shot on target in 80 minutes and end up hanging on at the end. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that that is, yeah, that is very, very Spurs, isn't it? Um, before we move on, let's let's talk about Son. We barely talked about him, and obviously he's been a bit of a talking point throughout the season so far. You touched on it earlier, Price. You said you thought he'd been good. I think he's been really good the last couple of games. And had those been the first two games of the season rather than the the fifth and the sixth, I'd be really encouraged by what I've seen. And an interesting stat, which you can look at it two ways, that I noticed is uh, no player in the Premier League so far has accumulated a higher xG without scoring than Son. Um, he's, he's got 2.02 xg and no goals which considering he's somebody who normally famously overperforms on his xg has to be encouraging we were about to go down that yeah road. i was about i was about to say he's just averaging out the <laughs> the last two yeah. years of football where his xg yeah. has been criminally low and he's absolutely outperformed that um but no look, mm. I, I i agree i think um you're not worried are you no, no, he's an incredibly talented, passionate footballer, which is what we need in the squad at the moment. I think it's good that actually he's potentially got a bit of competition from, you know, the likes of Richarlison and other people kind of, you know, snapping at his heels within that team. Yeah. Fulham was a good guy. I think he need. it's a shame he didn't get a goal. I think he needs one of these players where I think the minute he gets a goal, it will all start yeah. coming good for him. And I, I don't have any mm. concerns at all I wouldn't say that West Ham was his finest game but I, I certainly think Fulham Fulham was good and say he was incredibly unlucky when especially when he hit the hit the bar he was he was really unlucky not to score there so I think yeah but I think he's adjusting to a different style of play as well because if you think about last year when he was so prolific Kane was dropping deep Kane was passing a lot more he was he was kind of putting balls over the mm-hmm. top putting balls wide Son was running in from the wide through the middle and that's changing because Kane is staying much further forward Forward, which we know Conte Conte said he wants Kane further up the pitch so I think Son's also adjusting to this new style of play where he's also you've got to remember he's now got Perisic and Sessegnon who are much more aggressive wing yeah, backs than he's not used to playing regular. with them either coming down the left outside of him which was also his space yeah. when he wasn't in the box so he's kind of in this weird like limbo of actually his role has completely changed I think from last year and I think that's one of the reasons he's probably had a bit of a slower start absolutely and he's playing his favorite opponent next who we're going to get onto in just a moment but before we do let's talk about our next game which is actually our opening fixture in the Champions League against Marseille also known as uh, Arsenal Reject <laughs> FC um, <laughs> We were just looking at the team because I, I must I must admit, and I've said this before, I, I don't really follow French football. I watch every single highlights video of PSG because it's just Harlem Globetrotters and I love Lionel Messi and it's hilarious to watch them putting seven or eight goals in. But I never really watch anything else. But I noticed that Marseille are actually flying high at the moment and they are, they're level with PSG. They've had five wins and a draw in admittedly probably a slightly easier league than the Premier League, dare we say. But they're doing well and they've got some good players, haven't they? Um, Dave, have you had a look at the Marseille team? Because we were going through it earlier. There's a lot of Arsenal alumni and uh, even a West Ham alumni thrown in there for good measure in Dimitri Payet. But who have they got? Kolasinac, they've got Alexis Sanchez, there's uh, Nuno Tavares, there's a couple of others. Yeah, Guendouzi, of course. Saliba was there last year as well. Obviously, he's come back now, but um, definitely a link there. Arsenal fans would love it if they beat us, wouldn't they? 
Well, they take credit. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like us with VRAL when they, they lost to them, isn't it? And they had a few of our old boys in there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And quite right, too. How do you expect that going? Because, I mean, I, I think we, we joked about how, you know, it's a bit of a rubbish group. And we said that it looks like a Europa League group more than a Champions League group. But we need to give some credit and some respect to a team who are matching PSG in the French League and have some players that performed at a high level before. How would you approach a game like this with this kind of unknown quantity? Um, well... It's at home, so with both yeah, barrels, just dictate all the play. guns blazing, yeah. win the game. It's just one of those. Not to say it's must win, because it's not, yeah. because it's the first game of six. Is that right? Six? Um, yeah. But you need to put a marker down. You need to say, look, these guys are in pot three. We were in pot two. We're better than them. We're going to win this group 3-0, 3-1, 4-1. It needs to be a good win. Yeah. And, and it should be a good win, I think, because yes... They're joint top of the French League. Yeah. But we just said, they've got five or six players that weren't good enough for an Arsenal team that weren't very good mm. a few years ago. And so Gnabry got... wasn't good enough for Arsenal. He wasn't good enough for West Brom, according well, to that's, Tony that's, Villas. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. No, I know what you meant. Um, I take that on board. Yeah. But, but I, think, I think, yeah. I mean, interestingly, I wonder if Bamba Dieng's going to play for them. I don't know if you guys heard the story of Bamba I... Dieng on transfer deadline no. day. I, I know the, I know oh, the so, story. So basically, <laughs> yeah. Leeds had a fee agreed of 10 million euros for Bamba mm-hmm. Dieng, and uh, we sorted out a private jet for him to fly over. And then at the airport, he changed his mind and he decided that he wanted to go sign for Nice. Oh, uh, really? Because he was desperate to pay with Casper Michael and mm-hmm. lost Barkley, I guess. Yeah. So then he went to Nice, and our private jet was left empty. And we didn't sign him. And then he failed his medical at Nice. So he's oh, still embarrassing. And then Marseille went and beat Nice 3-0. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, God. <laughs> he needs to go on the walk of shame Incredible. with Peter Oden Wingy. Um, yeah, that, so that was, that, that was good. I think fun. the interesting thing with, uh, uh, with Marseille is that they play a very similar system to us from what I understand. I've done, I've done a little bit of research and they tend to play a 3-4-3. Very similar setup and they're quite reliant on their wing backs. And Klaus is their right wing back. Uh, yeah, it's probably pronounced Klaus, actually. I'm not sure. He is French anyway. He is French. <laughs> Langley. Um, but he's he's a very attacking wing back and a lot of their play goes through them. So it could be interesting to see a little bit of a match up there. Probably, we haven't talked about, you haven't been on the podcast since we had the group. How do you look at that group? Are you thinking that we're favourites for it or are you a little bit nervous? Because there are some good teams in there. We talked about Marseille flying high in Ligue 1. Frankfurt won the Europa League. They're very, very good in that. Do you think that this is a bit of a banana skin? No, and... We've been here before, right? We've we've had groups that we should have sailed through, and we've absolutely not. Yeah. You know, and the opposite, and the opposite. You know, Martin, and I think yeah. actually one of the things we've done really well over the last few years is we've played well in big games, and getting when we're under pressure, mm. we've got results out. Marseille, yes, they're doing well in the league, but actually they haven't really played anyone. It's the equivalent of having Arsenal's fixture run, I guess, kind of at the start of um, the start of the Premier League season. They've, they really are the Arsenal. They are the Arsenal. France, they've literally they? had the same fixtures in terms of difficulty level, and it's all of their players. Mm. Um, so, look, and Elio made a really good point that he actually it's a bit disappointing we didn't get, I guess, kind of like an A word and like real superstar team because that's what you know the new stadium, mm. Champions League nights is. is is all about it's about playing Real Madrid yeah. and your, your Barcelona's and your Bayern Munich's but um, I, I think we are a different proposition now under Conte we're a completely different team we've got a different mentality mm. we've got the depth of squad I don't see us could be famous last words I don't see anything less than us just walking mm. through this group with considerable <sighs> ease I'm going to be bold on, yeah I'm going to say I'm going to walking say, through <laughs> with considerable <laughs> ease 
I'm going to remember that you yeah. said that. Let's Hold hope me I don't to have it. to bring it up again. Hold me to it. Um, it's quite interesting. I'm, I'm looking at our last lineup from when we last played in the Champions League. And I don't know if you can remember our last game under Jose Mourinho in March 2020. We lost to RB Leipzig. And only two of that lineup yeah. are still regulars in our team. And, and then one kind of semi-regular in Sessegnon. Loris and Dyer were the two. And then we had Aldevarad and Tanganga as, as part of our back three. It was actually a 3-4-3 three, three that day as well. Uh, Los Celso and Winks were our midfield with Oria and Sessegnon as wingbacks. And then a front three, I'm assuming two of the big boys were injured, of Lucas Deli Alli and Eric Lamella. So uh, we've we've come a long way since un- unrecognisable yeah, that, yeah. that team. It's madness. That was only March 2020, not that long ago. Nothing like looking at a, a few years ago. Yeah. To that give was you some the. Really uh, good oh, let's see. Let's see your last Champions you League team, Dave. What did that look like? I mean, that that's got some names in it. We'll, we'll obviously be reviewing that game as it comes, and um, by the time you're listening to this, it may well have happened, <laughs> depending on how quickly we can get this episode out. Because it, I should remind you, it is currently Tuesday evening, and the game is Wednesday evening. Um, Pricey, are you going to be at that game? Out of interest, or? Uh, I'm not. No, um, you're not. No, well, no? this is the problem yeah. with having a, a small human to look after. Is that it makes midweek <laughs> yeah. Champions League game. It does Very sound inconvenient to, yeah. uh, to get to and from North yeah. London, but um, I, I, I mm. will try my best to get back to at least one of the games. Well, I'm sure you'll be contributing to the drama of the WhatsApp group to entertain Dave <laughs> throughout that anyway. So we'll see. It will be on BT Sport. Um, well, look. That's three out of four games. Let's move on to arguably the biggest one, or probably definitely the biggest one, Man City away at the Etihad. We won a 3-2 last time. It was an absolutely epic encounter. We need to talk about Erling Haaland. <laughs> I think there's no other place to start. Pricey, you're Antonio Conte. You're the manager, right? Imagine you're just sitting in your office. You're, you're sipping a nice glass of, of Italian red wine or, or, a, or a Moretti or something on those lines. Uh, the door bursts open. And I'm not going to do one of Elio's impressions, Dave. Don't worry. The door bursts open. And you've got Romero, Dyer, Davies, Longley. They all run in. Loris is there too. They're just like, coach, gaffer, help her. What do we do about this gigantic Norwegian blonde monster that's tearing holes in defences up and down the country. How do we stop him? What do you say to your, your frightened defence? <laughs> uh, just to say, he scored, he's just because given the time of recording, he has actually just scored again in the Champions League. <laughs> oh, God. Just give it a rest, Erling. Uh, he it's is ridiculous. ridiculous. It's funny because earlier I, I mm. was saying he's going to stop scoring eventually. But actually, if you look at his record, he's which not. is basically, he's a goal a game, right, in terms of his whole career. So yeah. he's not, he's going to score every game. So I think, I, I think the key is not to stop Haaland because fundamentally, mm. just as we talked yeah. about earlier, he will find the space, his power, his pace. Yeah. He's on another planet. He's a ludicrous footballer. Um, Stop the supply, mm. right? Yeah. Kill De Bruyne. Yeah. Don't obviously not kill him. Kill him. Like, <laughs> oh, just, how do you stop Haaland? Oh, don't worry. Just just stop De Bruyne, Foden, Mahrez, yeah. Bernardo Silva, um, and Rodri. That's easy. Yeah, easy. easy. Okay. No, but I, I do. Yeah. I, I do think Cancelo. That is. I think De Bruyne is the kind of unsung hero at the moment in terms of what has been very good about a lot of City. And actually, I think that's something that Newcastle did quite well when it was the 3-3 was they kind of almost nullified that and took him out of the game I think City are loose at the back they've got injuries and they, they don't have a fully oh, they absolutely fully are. fit full strength you know team obviously they lost Zinchenko and we know that Walker's getting older by you know the day and uh, their wing backs on and the thing, the thing with City is and we all know this is when they get the ball they kind of move into this like two like eight two formation five, basically, basically is what you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and you if you can catch them on the counter, which we are very good at doing, 
you can get results yeah. again. And again, we're playing at a stadium where we, we love getting results. We like playing against City. Um, so look, I don't think you can stop Haaland, but I think you can nullify a lot of his supply, which would probably be Foden and De Bruyne, yeah. and you you let them have the ball. And I think if you frustrate them enough by just playing around the box and stop them yeah, getting balls them into the box, you can then hit them on the counter. Yeah. And that's where we're good. So basically, we just need to accept that Haaland is going to score a hat-trick, but we need to score four Well, he's going to score that's one. He's going to score at least one. That's that's we just it's going <laughs> to happen. Least, <laughs> at least one. Well, just to remind you, just in case you didn't know, he has scored ten in six games so far, which is frankly ridiculous. Dave, you were—I think you were joking, but I'm not entirely sure when you were saying at the beginning of the season that Haaland's going to score 100 goals this year. Um, I worked it out the other day. If he does play the amount of games you would expect him to play in all competitions, with City going as deep into those competitions as they will, he is actually on course for literally about 100 goals at this current rate, whether he keeps this up or not. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, you think about Lionel Messi with that incredible, was it 91 in a calendar year or something like that? Like, it's not inconceivable that he could hit those kind of numbers in the team he's playing for at the form he's on as well. Do you think there is a way of doing anything about a player like that? Or do you think he's just somebody that's at a level where you've just got to kind of pray and focus on the players you can do something about? No, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can yeah. do because it's not just him. Mm. Like the, yeah. the goal that he scored tonight, for example. It's almost dangerous to focus on him, who, isn't it? You never guess who put the cross in. De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. You've got two world-class players, mm. one feeding the other, and you, you can't focus on Haaland because they've got world-class players elsewhere. Yeah. And I wasn't joking. I, you know, I've obviously followed Haaland's career relatively closely yeah. because of the Leeds United connection. And he was ridiculous mm. for Salzburg. He was ridiculous for Dortmund, and he's the best striker in the world right now. You know, it wouldn't shock me if he broke the record, whatever it is, Dixie Dean, 60 goals in the season. It wouldn't surprise me if he got a little way more than well, that. the league. He's just, yeah, he's, he's, that, he's, that he's incredible. going a bit. I mean, he's probably on he's, course. He is incredible. Yeah. He's, he's as good as I thought he was after watching him quite a lot, well, as much as I could for Salt, and then a fair bit for Dortmund. Yeah. He's just excellent. There's no defending against it, really. Unless, unless... You can wind him up. Unless Romero yeah. can do an absolute... Do an Anderson injury. on him. Do a, Get a headbutt. But he seems so cool, though. That's the thing about him. You see his demeanour. He has this kind of confidence where you imagine nothing will phase him and wind him up. I mean, he's still a young guy, but obviously, you know, he's very mature in, in his mentality. The best thing about him is the fact that he just seems yeah. to have the temperament that it's just, just means he's cool. absolutely unshakable. He doesn't even care if he has a bad game, which he rarely ever does. Like the, yeah. cha- the charity shield. He was he wasn't great mm. and everybody was saying that it was a terrible idea and it was never gonna work. All they needed was a great number nine and then they got one. It's like, no, that was that was a terrible idea. After I'll tell you who game. it reminds me of, Dave. You know Rocky Four? He's Ivan Drago. He's just this giant, almost supernatural blonde monster who just seems like he's unfairly strong and enormous and just has this cold almost terrifying look on his face like of just pure focus is genuinely it's, it's pretty spectacular it's yeah. almost like watching a grown adult play with children sometimes and yeah they've, they've been big strikers before it's not like he's that massive i mean he's six foot four six foot five no, there are I plenty think... of players that big it's just the strength and the way he uses it and the way well, he just bullies it's what you said it's what you guys said about kane and his ability to yeah. just know where to go 
keep moving, mm-hmm. find the space. I mean, the goal at the weekend is a perfect example of that. You know, he, he scored by tapping it in past the back post when, quite yeah. frankly, it looked like the ball was dead. Yeah. But he knew De Bruyne was quality and he knew that he'd get a yeah. crossover and he knew it would go there and he scored the goal. It was the only place it could have gone. He he has pace, he's got strength, but more importantly, he's he's got intelligence. There are so many... Mm strikers yeah. that don't have the IQ to actually put it all together yeah. and, and he does. One of the things I love about Kulisevsky, just mm-hmm. to back up slightly Elio's praise for, yeah. for, for the kid, because I, I do think he's been our player of the season so far. He's, he's been brilliant. Um, the reason for yeah. that is his intelligence is next level and it's just his ability to actually pick the right pass, pick the right ball. Haaland is just next level in terms of being able to read the game, get into the right spaces and, and I think that's why you, he's unplayable. You can't, you can't play against that it, what I've yeah. noticed about City is they are now changing the way they play to always look for Haaland and the yeah. the rest of the players are the oh if Haaland isn't available in the position where he's going to be then I'm going to pass to someone else type of thing and and I think mm. that that's how you nullify City is that there is that slight level of kind of pause or they're changing the way they play where they're always looking to get the ball into to Haaland and if you put too many people on Haaland then you're just freeing up space for other people but if you can just cut off that service then yeah I think you've got a chance the thing is he can do the centre forward hold up thing as well I've seen it a few times this season with back to goal flick it round for somebody he's only had one assist but he's been unlucky not to have a couple of obviously I've been keeping an eye on him for FPL purposes (laughs) I think everyone is now but it was so predictable wasn't it because you look at you look at Raheem Sterling in that team and I think as weird as it is to say there are parallels in the sense that Sterling's best attribute for me, I think, has always been his off-the-ball positioning, his anticipation, his movement. But he's just not an excellent finisher. He's a decent finisher, but he missed a lot of chances. So it's almost like someone took Raheem Sterling, made him enormous, and gave him elite top-level striker finishing just to make the perfect poacher. It's just madness. Dave, has Haaland just scored another goal? He's just got another goal. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I, think, I, think gonna... I think it's really interesting. I think you make an interesting point there, Dags, although I stopped listening halfway through because I just saw Haaland score <laughs> I'm a goal. used to that, Dave. It's fine. Uh, it's all right. But Pep Guardiola almost rallied against it, and it's almost like it's been forced on him. It's like, a fine, fine, fine. Buy me the best striker in the world. <laughs> we'll do what we can yeah. and, I, and I feel like have you seen uh, you, I, I assume you've seen Infinity War Avengers Infinity War yeah when uh, oh, yeah. When, when, when Thanos, Thanos. <laughs> is it done and Pep Guardiola yeah we've won the Champions League what did it cost everything yeah yeah, I had to because sacrifice I've had to my, my soul false and, nine. And I can't have my false yeah, nine. Yeah, I had to get a real nine. <laughs> we've yeah, had to get an actual count. nine who scored 100 <laughs> goals and we've won the Champions League. I thought you were going to compare Haaland to Thanos there. I was going to say that's probably quite accurate. We've well, gone he is from Drago. So. Th- he, is, he is. He is inevitable. Well, no, I think we shouldn't focus too much on him because like you say, they are a world-class team. They were the best team in the country last year without him and they've only gone and added him to it. So there's obviously a lot of players to focus on. But I think it's more about just looking at them as a collective unit, isn't it? And how they play as a team and how to either nullify that or come back to it. And as you said, Pricey, we've had a lot of joy historically beating them on the counter. They will play high. They won't sacrifice that for us. I can't imagine they'll think no, Spurs can hurt us, so let's change the way we play. They are at home. I think they're going to be on the halfway line and we're going to have to try and make the most of it. Yeah, I did wax a little bit about Haaland, but I completely agree with everything Pricey said, by the way. I think they do have a week back. I think they've conceded two goals twice already this season yeah and i think more so than last season it's it not must necessarily be said. a brazil 2001 situation you score five and we'll score six but you almost have to approach it in the sense that 
Haaland's going to get chances, there's a high likelihood that he'll take one or multiple of those chances. But you guys are going to get chances as well. And you've got, well, what, the second best striker in the world? So, you know, fingers crossed that it does become a bit of a a Rocky being Kane and Haaland (laughs) being Drago punch out and Kane gets the winning punch. But you know what? This is the perfect game for Son to just like, because Son loves playing against City and has an amazing record. And I can just see Son... This is written in the stars, isn't it? This is the time one of those games where he just gets a goal on the counter. And yeah, we'll we'll see. I noted down a tweet from a Man City fan. I noticed Sergio SZN says, we've got Spurs next with Son on zero goals this season. Yeah, we're definitely done for. <laughs> just like, yeah. That's how they must be thinking that because you know we'd be thinking the same thing in, in the reverse fixture. If it was Antonio and you know he hadn't scored and West Ham were rock bottom or something, that's pretty much what did happen, isn't it? But anyway, Man City, it's going to be a tough one, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes. I guess that it's a bit negative, but worst case scenario we lose. We're still in a pretty good spot because if you look at the league table, we're now, I mean, we're, we're unbeaten six games in, which must be our best start in God knows how long. It was already our best start in 13 years before the last win. Arsenal, of course, have just lost to Man United, who are going to become a problem themselves very soon, of course. But the league's looking okay. It's looking okay. I mean, I don't want to say I'm going to be happy with a loss. Of course, I'm not going to be. I think we're at that point now where pretty much every game we've got to be going in thinking we can get at least a draw. But Pricey, how do you feel now looking at the league table, seeing that Arsenal are no longer unbeaten? It's only Arsenal City actually that haven't mm-hmm. haven't lost a game. How are you looking at the next few games? And where do you think we could be, say, by Christmas the way it's going? Or by the World Cup? <laughs> well, this is it. There is, a ma- November. there is a massive, you know, wild card in the World Cup in the middle of the season, which is, is something that no one's had to deal with or manage before. But look, I think that's where we've been smart. And we've invested in the depth of squad to make sure that we can manage the packed fixture schedule. The other thing you've got to factor in is European football kicks in, right? So Arsenal and United are now playing Thursday nights for the next six weeks, which is obviously going to have a big impact on in terms of their squad. Whereas obviously we get Tuesday, Wednesday rotation. Um, if you look at the league, yeah. theoretically, even if we lose, the only teams that can catch us are Man United and Brighton. So it, yeah. even if we lose to City, worst case scenario, we would be fifth. And that is an amazing platform, thinking about the games that are coming up. I think yeah. I think what's interesting about our fixture run this year is if you look at us compared to our neighbours in Arsenal, they have had a very soft start to the season in terms of the teams they've played, as in United was the first big team they've played. Probably didn't deserve Mm. to lose. I think United were lucky with the win, but they they won nonetheless. If you look at ours, I I guess kind of fixtures where we've played Chelsea, we're about to play City, we're then at home to Leicester, which you've got to say is, well, given that Leicester are now bottom and look in a terrible state, that's got a banana skin written all over it for them to come and beat us. That's the game you lose. That's the game you lose, yeah. Um, But then we go away to Arsenal, which, you know, is a tough game going to Emirates. We lost that last year. Then we're away to Brighton, who are Mm. flying and tough to play as well home to Everton away to United so actually if once we get out of that run of fixtures if we're still in the running you've then got yeah. one, two, three, what, four weeks until, and we play Liverpool as well, you've got four weeks until the World Cup, come back from the World Cup, and actually then you're looking at Brentford, Villa, Palace, home to Arsenal, away to Fulham, 
And actually, then mm. we go back into playing City, Chelsea. So actually, our, our run into the end of the season is Wolves, Forest, Southampton, Everton, Brighton, Bournemouth, Newcastle, United, Liverpool, Palace, Villa, Brentford, Leeds. So actually, in the last 14 weeks, the only so top everyone. six teams we play is, is United and Liverpool. You didn't say Leeds? And Leeds, yeah, obviously. I think he said Leeds. Thanks. Said Leeds. Sorry, you, you said yeah. him as a team. And you didn't say as a top six. Top six team. <laughs> top, <laughs> Sorry, top yeah, that, team. That, that but, massive top six giant Leeds United. The, the, title decider. We all know it. The, the, re- the reason I think it that's quite be. exciting is if we if we can if we're up there. I don't expect us to be top, but if we're up there in the top four after the World Cup even probably into January of next year, then I think we've mm. got the fixtures next year to have a real run and be up there and be in the mix. So that's interesting. Bryson actually have Bournemouth as their next game. So that's uh, putting a little bit of pressure on. And then Man United are away at Crystal Palace. So yeah, I think we'll do very well to still be in third, but obviously long way to go. And I think Dave, you mentioned that Arsenal have got a really rough run of fixtures coming up, haven't they? In line with when they start having those European games, including... Yeah, it was, guys, it was October, course. wasn't it? October where they've mm. got a run of you guys, a couple of other teams from Manchester, I think, and they go to Ellen Road as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be a tough month for yeah. them. That Arsenal game at the Emirates is going to be a massive one isn't it because I mean it could it could be lined up really nicely I wouldn't be surprised if we're still very close in the table it's going to be interesting that's going to show us what we're really made of I think well I think the key there is you rely on the manager and the coach and you've got a better one the thing with Arsenal is they don't have the same depth of the squad they're already starting to pick up little injuries and nickels and that's only going to get worse as they're kind of like two games a week schedule goes on so I think they've made some brilliant signings. Um, it's painful to say that in the summer. We all know how well Jesus is doing and, and you know, a number of their players that have come through the squad in terms of the start of the season. But will they keep it up all year? I think they'll be challenging for top four and I think they could get top four. Mm. I, I think Chelsea are having a shock at the moment and I can't see that fixing itself anytime soon. I think it'll take a while for them to rebuild. United, I still don't trust. United are the type of team who win three on the bounce, look really good and they'll go to Palace and get spanked 5-0. Um, so let's... Yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see in a few weeks' time where we are, but I think it's a massive game. Three pound yeah. in the swear jar. Assuming you mean Man United, United, yeah, just to be yeah. clear, yeah. He's he's not been on here for a while, we can let him off, or can we? I don't yeah. know. No. You decide, Dave, I'll leave that one with you. Um, so, Pricey, I know you don't have Son in your fantasy team, but if you did, would you be captaining him against Man City? No. In anticipation of his inevitable match? <laughs> no? Captaining, still captaining Harlan? In all seriousness, are you going to captain Harlan? Do you know what? I've, I've not captained Harlan yet. Is it the emotional yet? hedge? And it's the, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a you dags because uh, you you like listening to press conferences that are a lie <laughs> well no it's it's the fact that there'll be a player who you like you kind of have to go with the flock sometimes because you know they're just going to outscore everyone else and you're like no i'm not going to follow peer pressure or i'm not going to follow what everyone else is doing i'm going to be the i'm going to you know beat them i'm going to beat yeah. the system that's me and me Cap- with jesus captaining harland i just won't i'm not doing yeah. it and it's killing me at the moment which is why i'm not first um, but no, I'm I'm probably going mm. Salah again. I think uh, that Wolves fixture at home. Yep. I just he's got one more game. I think there's a game coming up when he's just going to massive score, and this could be it. <laughs> and then I'll sell him, and then it will be I, that game after I sold him. I have no doubt whatsoever that if Dave were in our shoes, he would be triple captaining Harland right now coming up against your team the ultimate emotional hedge yeah I, I, I couldn't decide whether it's just Captain Harland or triple Captain Aronson <laughs> that would be uh, that would be very uh, bold it would be very obviously you, that's yeah. not the case because that wouldn't it, that wouldn't yeah. be the emotional hedge that it would be it would be no, triple captain in no. Necker Williams 
Exactly. Yeah. Just like how we talked about Guardiola having to stick to his principles. Yeah. You also should try and stick to your principles until you have no other option. Quite um, right. Exactly. Other orders of business. Deli Ali has been burning some bridges with Spurs fans and uh, <laughs> chewing away at any goodwill he had left with with our fan base by posing with he who shall not be named, also known as Judas. That was caused a bit of a stir on Twitter. I've seen lots of very angry posts about that, saying he's dead to us, never welcome back at the lane. <laughs> it's all a bit silly, isn't it? I mean, it's not great, but but anyway. Um, the other thing that's interesting, actually, is um, Destiny Udogi, who you may have heard of as our most recent signing, actually, who has mm. been loaned back to Udinese. He's a, a, from what I understand, he's a very exciting, attacking young wingback, very much in the mould of a classic Conte attacking wingback. It's a lot of returns. He scored two goals in the last three games in Italy, which is, uh, which is very nice. So um, I'm excited about him for two reasons. One is the attacking threat he's going to offer us when he does come into our squad. And two, his name is Destiny Udogi. <laughs> And uh, I'm looking forward to the chant. So I heard one the other day, which I won't sing, but you'll know the melody. And the chant was, you are my destiny. You are my Wanudogi. <laughs> That's a good chant. <laughs> well, look, that is plenty ridiculousness, I think, for the time being. So I think we're going to start to think about wrapping this up because, of course, we're not going to do a challenge earlier today because we don't have Elio and it just wouldn't be fair to try and do one without him. And we've already gone on for quite a while with the four games having talked about. But what I'll say is please do follow us on Twitter. If you're not already following us, then shame on you. You really should be because we post some excellent stuff on there. And our Twitter is at Plus Dave Podcast. My Twitter is at Plus Dave Dags if you want to follow me as well. Dave is at Fantasy Dave. And um, Pricey, I don't know if uh, we, we started doing our own personal Twitters and reading them out. I don't know if you've got one that will relate to Spurs or if you just post about wine and put pictures of your puppy and your and your kid. I mean, That's... what's your Twitter like? Will, will our listeners be interested? I, d- I don't actually have Twitter. What's what's Twitter? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting how old we all are. Uh, no, I, I, I might. I, do you know, I might. I might do. I've got an Instagram. You can follow my dog on Instagram if you want, which is at Corgi Ralphie underscore Ralphie. Excellent. Follow Pricey's dog on Instagram. Um, that's, Excellent. That's about as much as I can give to this uh, <laughs> social. Does he social have a Spurs shirt? Um, do you know do they what? Make I dog could get, they must do. Yeah, but I could get one of. I'm sure I could get him to fit into one of my boys' Spurs shirts. It's the right <laughs> size. They're about the right age size. Yeah, yeah that, he's going to overtake him soon, isn't it's he? He's giving me some ideas, actually. Yeah, okay, I'll, yeah. Do, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just take it in a bit, you know, do some yeah creative tailoring. Fantastic, brilliant. Well, look, thank you both. I think you've done a fantastic job of filling the Elio void for this week. And as I mentioned earlier, I expect Elio will be back next week. We will be talking about the Marseille game and that Man City game. We might be in a really good mood. We might be in a terrible mood, but you've got that to look forward to. I'm very excited for it. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how Davinson Sanchez deals with Erling Haaland. I'm joking, of course. He hopefully won't be starting, um, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless. Let's hope Son gets off the mark. Um, guys, do either of you have anything to add? Any final thoughts before we wrap things up? One thing from me, just to let you all know that I'll be making my first trip to the Tottenham Hotspur stadium on Saturday. oh that is exciting tell us more um i'm going to the tottenham hotspur women's team who are playing scum so i'll be oh, the yeah? really sweary one in a crowd of really nice people <laughs> um, it'll be like last week's podcast but, but no yeah. I, it's a family affair it's my little girl out of the blue said i'd quite like to go watch some girls play football so i Amazing. jumped on that immediately and uh, and looked at what was available and i'll be damned if i'm taking her to king's meadow to watch chelsea uh, so so the only other option we had was the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so yeah we're going on Saturday whole family should be a good one should be a lot of people there so I'll uh, I'll feed yeah. back when, uh, when we meet again 
I imagine it's uh, no coincidence this is shortly after the Lionesses secured victory at the Euros, right? Absolutely. Legacy, yeah. legacy, I've, legacy. Um, Amazing. I've not been to a women's football game, but I, I imagine the crowd is a lot more respectful than at the average men's game. <laughs> maybe well, that's just me stereotyping. And maybe bearing, it will change as it becomes more popular. Be, but I imagine it's much wife. more of a family affair. Well, probably. exactly. Bearing in mind my, my, my go, wife straight out refuses to let my kids anywhere near Leeds or Palace games. Um, <laughs> this was the compromise, so to speak. Yeah, fair enough. Well, look, I hope you have a fantastic time. That's very exciting. And I hope you like yep. the stadium. You've not been before, have you? So no, nope, can't uh, wait to see the cheese room. something special. The cheese room, yeah. It's, yeah, there's, there's some lovely overpriced food and beer, and there is uh, an excellent view, excellent acoustics, and I'm sure you will love it. But yeah, that's just about all we will have time for. Thank you both, Daves, for your time today. Hope you've enjoyed listening and let's hope we are all in very good spirits next week looking back on a second successive win at the Etihad. But until then, you stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll see you next week. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it!